and welcome to another edition of Buckeyes in Maryland. Again, I'm your host, Mac Perry. So, let's talk about some of these head coaching vacancies within the NBA uh, that we've started to pop up. You know, they are coming left and right now. Uh, as I sit here, I look at about four or five vacancies that are uh, going to be filled this upcoming offseason, and there may be more, you know, as the playoffs continue to come to a close. We may see uh, a, a good six, seven positions up for grabs. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Number one, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, with the release of uh, Nate McMillan from his contract, it's a shame, you know, he had just signed an extension not too long ago. Nate? He was with the uh, the Pacers for four seasons, and each season he was able to get them into the playoffs. Uh, you know, he wasn't able to advance past the first round, but uh, to get into the playoffs on a consistent basis for four straight years is an accomplishment within itself. Uh, the I'll just say a couple of things about Mr. McMillan. First off, he compiled a record of 186 and 136 in his uh, four-year tenure with the Pacers. Secondly, he dealt with, you know, a a pretty good amount of injuries, you know, in, in, in his time there. You know, Damatis Sabonis, Victor Oladipo, and, you know, those are the two biggest players that Indiana has to offer. And in each of the last two seasons – you know, one of the two has been out, if not both, at points during the season. So, you know, the I won't say the deck was stacked against him, but he definitely, you know, this is a star-driven league. You know, talent generally wins out when you're talking about coaching. You can be an X's and O's guy all day long. You can be the perfect head coach, but if you don't have talent there, you know, you don't have the correct players to run – your scheme, or you don't have your stars out there on a day-to-day basis uh, from game to game, it's going to be pretty tough to win when it counts. And, you know, we've seen that with Nate. There's rumors floating out there that Indiana is highly interested in current Houston Rockets coach Mike D'Antoni, who is in the last year of his current contract. You know, it remains to be seen how Houston is going to approach a contract extension with Mr. D'Antoni based upon, uh, you know, his current track record. He's a winner, but he's yet to deliver a championship to Houston, and that's what they're working towards there. So we'll have to see how Houston's season finishes out. Uh, right now, they're locked in a series with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, if they end up winning, they'll have to face the Los Angeles Lakers in a pretty tough matchup. So, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. <sighs> Next, Alvin Gentry, of the uh, formerly of the New Orleans Pelicans. Alvin is a uh, you know another fellow that has dealt consistently with injuries in his five-year run with the Pels. You know he. Whether it be Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, litany of other players, he's you know had to deal with uh, 
a, a, a barrage of injuries in his time there. I think, according to Elias Sports, they have used over 140 lineups since he's been the head coach there. That's insane to use that many. You know, I, I couldn't even fathom having to try and put that many lineups together. Uh, you know, a good coach generally, you know, works with what he has, um, you know. So at the end of the day, you got to do your job, you know. In this final season, he ended up with a 30-42 and 42 record to close out the regular season, um, counting the bubble as well. And New Orleans was on track. You know, they had position to make the playoffs due to the current seating format. They had a shot, uh, but they couldn't pull it off. You know, whether you want to put that on the uh, the bad conditioning of Zion Williamson or just the, uh, the sheer layoff that they had coming into the bubble. But then again, you could use that excuse for any NBA team coming in slumping. So... You know, I don't. I. It's hard to argue against that one. In, in five years with the team, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of success. He had to kind of ride out, you know, the uh, the seasons there. Yes, you had Anthony Davis for the the majority of that during that time frame, but they never were able to surround Anthony with enough pieces to complete the puzzle and to have them compete and to make him want to stay there ultimately they did trade for uh demarcus cousins and nikola miritich uh and they brought in rajon rondo who you know in the playoffs he was he was a pretty he was an x-factor in the playoffs let's just put it that way uh demarcus cousins that that worked out for about half the season until he got injured and i honestly believe had he stayed healthy, though, they could have done a lot of damage in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, they chose not to bring him back, and he ended up signing elsewhere with the uh, Golden State Warriors. The uh, the sad part about Alvin's, you know, his removal is that, you know, obviously they have just drafted Zion this season, and they, they have a couple of core pieces in Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram, uh, not to mention Josh Hart, you know, all three of which were brought in via the uh, Anthony Davis trade. So they, they have a couple of core building blocks, and they do have some good veterans that were already there, and Drew Holiday and uh, Derek Favors. So they, not to mention, they drafted Jackson Hayes, who, man, that guy, he, he's got some bounce. And he's going to be something. But uh, that's the sad part is that we, he didn't get to see how this is going to play out as those guys mature and, you know, and learn a bit more. And if Zion can get his conditioning correct, he can be a generational talent. You know, I think that's pretty evident. With that being said, as a head coach, it is your job to extract the best out of the players that you have on your roster, and they had a shot at making the playoffs, and they missed. So, you know, that's a reflection of Alvin's leadership. And it is what it is at this point in time, and they'll be in the running for, uh, you know, a new head coach, but Alvin will land somewhere. Uh, elsewhere, we have Brett Brown, you know, a 
formerly of the Philadelphia 76ers, who was with the team for seven years and lived through the uh, trust the process era in Philadelphia. So, I, you know, you got to commend him for that, if anything else. You know, if nothing else, you have to give him props for sticking it out through that very, very dark time in Philadelphia basketball history. Over the past of these last three seasons, he was able to uh, get them into the playoffs, albeit, you know, an exit each time, and advancing no further than the uh, second round. Uh, his best season in Philadelphia, he won a career-high 52 games. Uh, I believe that was the 2017-2018 season. And don't get me wrong, Brett Brown, you know, he'll he'll he's another guy who'll end up landing on his feet. He'll get another position, may not be a head coaching job, but he'll land somewhere. But Brett, you know, just like Alvin and Nick McMillan before him, dealt with injuries. Ben Simmons missed his entire true rookie season. Joel Embiid was out for, I believe, two-plus years before he was really cleared to play, and he still can't stay on the court consistently, nor can Ben Simmons. Uh, then you have the whole Markel Fultz debacle. You know, you're, you're bringing in this guy at number one, and you, you don't let the situation play itself out, and you trade him to Orlando. And, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't quite shaken the bust label yet, um, but he's starting to trend upward. You know, if he can make an all-star team or two in the future, you know, he's still a relatively young guy, too. Uh, he won't probably won't be considered a bust, you know, if he's able to accomplish those things. As far as the rest of the roster is concerned, you know, they made numerous trades throughout the tenure there. You know, they, they had guys like Robert Covington and uh, Jimmy Butler, and they brought in Tobias Harris, um, you know, who's a pretty good player, but the money they paid him, in my opinion, is just way too much for a guy like that. You know, he's not a star in this league. He's, in my opinion, he's more of a role player than anything. He can get you 18 to 20 points per game, but, I mean, so can Lou Will. Do we think of Lou Will as a superstar? No, he's a six-man of the year, you know, perennially. So with the money that he was paid, should uh, should they have allocated that towards other guys? Have, should they have been able to convince Jimmy Butler not to flee to Miami? You're most definitely correct. They should have. They should have prioritized, you know, getting Jimmy to stay there. But they didn't. They also overpaid for an aging veteran in Al Horford who was brought in, honestly, so he wouldn't, you know, so Joel Embiid wouldn't have to compete with Al because Al was one of the defenders who uh, played him best. So they ended up bringing him in. And now they're salary cap strapped. And if they want to move forward, they will have to, in my opinion, try and get up off of one of those contracts, which is going to prove to be very difficult. Uh, you have Embiid and Simmons on max extensions, I believe. You have Al Horford on a pretty bad deal. You have Tobias Harris on a terrible deal. 
they're going to have to move one of those two, you know, pillars in Simmons and Embiid. And if I'm Philly, I'm moving Embiid. You know, Simmons, it remains to be seen if he is going to try to develop some sort of shot. You know, he's still young enough to do so, but I don't know. You know, we'll have to see how that plays out. But if I'm getting rid of one of the two, I'm definitely choosing Embiid to, you know, to trade. You might get more for him. And honestly, he might land in a better situation. As far as the head coaching vacancy is concerned, you know, there there are numerous suitors out there that I'm sure would love that job right about now if the roster is going to remain established. So... Who wouldn't want to, you know, become the next head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers with the talent that they've constructed? Brett Brown just wasn't able to get it done. You know, there's some guys out there who will get you through a specific period of time, and there's others who can get you to the next level. And unfortunately, Brett Brown just wasn't that guy. You know, he he made it through the trust the process era, he guided them to three straight playoff trips, but that was his ceiling. You know, it takes a lot to coach NBA players and to manage egos. You know, as as I said before, this is a mostly talent-driven and star-driven league, and you're not winning without, you know, star-level talent. But uh, coaching still matters. Um, it... it it's going to be a hot position. I'll just put it that way. Uh, the Another head coaching vacancy that uh, was publicized earlier a couple weeks ago was the uh, the Chicago Bulls. They let go of Jim Boylan. You know, and understandably, he had a rather forgettable tenure with the Bulls in two seasons um he compiled a 39 and 84 record if that tells you anything so it's it's not not really worth speaking about not really worth having a long segment about but you know i'm still throwing him in there he was another guy that was that was let go and uh when you compare it to the other vacancies (laughs) i'm not too sure you know who's keen on going there they do have a couple of pieces and laurie Malkinen, uh, Markinen, uh, Zach Levine, and we'll see if they bring back Chris Dunn. You know, they, they do have Wendell Carter as well. They, they have some pieces there. They have a core, but they lack direction. So, it, you know, that's not going to be, in my opinion, one of the top three locations for any incoming head coach. But it is still, you know, it's an NBA coaching gig, so... Of course, you know, I'll mention it. Uh, the New York Knicks, they brought in Tom Thibodeau. You know, he's a, call him a retread. But he at least has NBA coaching experience, and he does bring a level of, uh, exp- of playoff basketball to the New York Knicks, who sorely need it. So... That uh, we'll have to see how that pans out. But again, they even the Knicks they they need players. They they just drafted R.J. Barrett. They spent the last couple of seasons drafting guys like Kevin Knox and Frank Nealakinta, who 
has no offensive game whatsoever. Uh, they, they've just fallen on hard times, and they've had bad luck in regards to the draft lottery. So they, they definitely need a head coach to kind of right the ship and steer them in the right direction. And Tom Thibodeau is, is a guy who may be able to do that. So, you know, that's, that's just a little bit about a couple of the uh, current vacancies that we have in the NBA going into this next offseason. Uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of guys who interview for those positions. You know, Tyron Lue's a, a hot candidate right now coming off of, uh, you know, he's, he's still an assistant coach with the uh, Los Angeles Clippers on Doc Rivers' staff, but Ty Lue is a good coach. You know, he has championship experience with Cleveland. He has experience uh, managing egos, guys like Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Kevin Love, etc. You know, he, he, he brings a level of uh, playoff level and championship level experience to, you know, whatever team that he'd be signing on with. But uh, he'll he'll be definitely a top suitor. Uh, then you take a look at guys like Jason Kidd, who's on the Lakers staff. You have Lionel Hollins, who may end up. Mark Jackson, who I still can't understand why nobody's given him a job yet. You know, yes, he will forever live in infamy because of his ties to the Golden State Warriors and the season after they let him go for Steve Kerr. They ended up winning the championship and unlocking their full potential. I get that. But it doesn't mean he's not deserving of another chance. So, you know, Mark Jackson, somebody pick him up. Uh, there's just so many names out there, so many hot names for, you know, the head coaching vacancies. Staying with the NBA, I think I'll go ahead and do a thing that a lot of other radio shows and podcasts and sports tend to do. And that's go ahead and give a top 10 list for my top 10 current NBA players. Uh, coming in at number 10 is a bulldog in Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy, man, how to describe Jimmy other than relentless? He is the one of the fiercest leaders that you could find in all of basketball. You know, he will do whatever it takes to get his team to where it needs to be. And that can be showcased in evidence as, you know, he has gotten the heat into the second round of this year's playoffs. You know, when he jumped from Philadelphia to Miami uh, this past offseason, nobody would have expected, honestly, that he would get them to the point that they're at now, if we're just being honest. He has done some incredible things for this team. Uh, Coming in at number nine, Nikola Jokic. Uh, He has been phenomenal. Watching his development in Denver has been phenomenal. And it's been, you know, beautiful to see how his game has progressed in all areas. He is probably the best passing big in basketball you know if you're excluding LeBron James from that equation as a big uh he's definitely he could claim that label as the number one passing big man in basketball he sees the floor like 
no other big out there. Uh, he's not a bad shooter by any you know by any means, and he's pretty good rebounder as well. Coming in at number eight is a superstar, flat out superstar, probably the best rapper uh, in in the NBA, in Damian Lillard. Damian was able to get the Portland Trail Blazers into the playoffs. I'm not going to say alone, but he definitely was the uh, the workhorse back to get them in. He he did it by sheer will. Some of his stat lines were just flat out brain, you know, numbing, mind melting. I don't even know how you want to put it, but he was able to get them to the playoffs in a, you know, I'll just go ahead and say it. They were never going to win that matchup against the Lakers, but getting them there, uh, you know, is an accomplishment and an achievement in itself. Coming in at number seven is LeBron James' sidekick in Anthony Davis. Uh, this guy is an absolute dominant force at his position. He can play you know, either the four or the five at great impact. Uh, and honestly, I think his, he's better suited in this current time to play a small ball five. <laughs> yes, I'm saying small ball, although he's a, he's, a, he's a massive player. But he is such a mismatch at that five position whenever Frank Vogel decides to put him there. He, he's just so difficult to match up with for other bigs. Uh, coming in at number six is probably the best scorer that we have in today's game, and James Harden. Uh, he puts up Michael Jordan-esque numbers uh, in the uh, points department. But the thing about James that's always been in question with him has been, one, his defense, which is not quite as bad as it used to be because, you know, he, he was a defensive liability you know he'll get you some steals. He plays the passing lanes pretty well, but uh, his defense has come uh, has come a long way. The other thing about James was you know his conditioning, but you know coming back into this bubble restart, James no looks noticeably thinner. Uh, so if he continues that trend to get in better basketball shape, then he could potentially take his game to an even higher level, which is scary to think about. Coming in at number five is a player who has been injured for you know most of the season, who didn't get a chance to come to the restart because of his team's record, and that's uh, Steph Curry. Steph is a two-time MVP, a three-time champion, and uh, definitely could add to that by the time that he retires. He's changed the modern game of basketball uh, by shooting three-pointers from the logo and oh man that guy he just he's revolutionized the NBA he he is responsible for the current shooting revolution that you now see across all teams number four a superstar in you know the mold of Shaq when it comes to just sheer dominance physical dominance and that is Giannis Antetokounmpo Giannis, if he could shoot the basketball from the three and could, uh, you know, hit more from the free throw line, 
he may be the uh, the greatest player that we've ever seen if he could manage to put all that together. That's just my opinion on it. But uh, he until that happens, he'll he'll stay in that four slot for me. Coming in at number three is another guy who has been injured uh, for this season, and that's Kevin Durant. Kevin, <sighs> I have so many so many different ways I can go with this, and so many different thoughts on Kevin Durant. You know, say what you want about how he decided to join an already stacked seventy-three and nine Golden State Warriors team. I, you know, I've been one of his biggest critics in the department. I still, you know, I'm not going to change my viewpoint on that, but it, it it would be hard to not see how how his scoring prowess and his defense has, you know, has impacted basketball. Kevin Durant is seven foot. I know he hates to be labeled that, but he is a seven foot scoring assassin. The guy can shoot the lights out. He can play excellent defense, and he's capable of closing a game out, as evidenced in those finals against LeBron James uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. My only gripe with Kevin, obviously, is that he decided to do that, to join those Warriors instead of, you know, Seeing seeing it all out with Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City. They had them on the brink in the 2016 playoffs, and they definitely could have been the team that challenged LeBron and the Cavs had they made it. Coming in at my number two spot is a guy who can impact both sides in all phases of the game, and uh, Kawhi Leonard. The two-time defensive player of the year and the uh, two-time finals MVP. He has a chance to do something that nobody else in basketball has ever done, and that's win a championship for, well, yeah, win a championship for three different teams and win finals MVP for three different teams. So if he's able to do that, he'll not only make basketball history, but he'll probably prove to be the best player in the world at this current time. Uh, Number one, obviously, in my opinion, LeBron James, three-time champion, four-time MVP, and did very historical feat in coming back from 3-1 to defeat the uh, Golden State Warriors. There hasn't been anything said that hasn't already been said about LeBron James. Say what you want. Second best player in basketball. Best player in basketball. You know, that that's your opinion. It, it, it really just depends upon your perspective. But there hasn't been, you know, there's nothing that I could say that hasn't already been said about LeBron. Best passer, in my opinion, since Magic Johnson can score in any phase of the game, whether it be the free throw line, mid-range, or the three-point. Yes, his free throw percentage has waxed and waned as his you know career has gone on, but he is a more than capable shooter from the line. His three-point percentage has actually started to get better as you know his physical dominance has declined, and he ain't bad in the mid-range game either. And one of the biggest gripes that LeBron James critics have now is that he, you know, 
he saves himself for the playoffs in regards to defense. He doesn't exert nearly as much energy as he used to on the defensive side of the ball. While that may be technically true, we see it all the time in today's NBA. Guys do this all the time. And not to mention the fact when properly motivated, LeBron can shut anybody down. Anybody when he is motivated. Oh, but Kevin Durant was able to knock him out of the finals twice in his own house. Yes, while that may be true, Kevin Durant also was aided by perhaps the greatest team in NBA history when you talk about terms of pure talent on one team. So that argument does not, it's, it's, it's not even one that can be had with me. Uh, but yes, that, that's my top ten right now. That's uh, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James. If I was further pressed on this issue to add two names that could potentially take that 10 spot, it'd probably be Jason Tatum at number 11, who's an ascending superstar. And if he's able to get his team to the finals by season's end and potentially win a championship, he definitely goes into the top 10 for me. At number 12, Joel Embiid. Problem with Joel has always been conditioning. If he can get his body right, he can impact a game like almost no other big out there can. So he, it remains to be seen how committed he is to doing those, uh, those things. So until he does so, <clears throat> he's in that uh, 10 to 15, you know, 15 to 20 range for me at this point in time. Uh, feel free to, you know, Tell me and let me know what your top 10 is. Comment, you know, whatever you want to do. But uh, that, that's definitely my top 10 at this point in time. Switching sports, uh, we'll go ahead and move to the NFL world where a truly shocking release occurred this morning. And that was the Jacksonville Jaguars release of running back Leonard Fournette, which, you know, it's no secret they had been trying to trade Leonard uh, over the past few months, but his release this late into the offseason and this close to the start of the regular season, it's just, uh, it was a stunner. No other way to put it. Uh, Frenette rushed for over 1,100 yards, had over 500 receiving yards to go with 76 catches and three touchdowns uh, through the air. And, uh, 2019 so it it can't be said that he was unproductive this past season or that he hasn't been quite productive uh, during his short NFL career but you know crazier things have happened you know they are moving on a different timeline apparently than you know what we were originally led to believe Uh, so they've been shipping pieces out left and right when you talk about uh you know the the trade of Yannick Ngakwe as well you know they over the past couple seasons we've seen a lot of different players shipped out of Jacksonville so this honestly you know as while it comes as a shocker it's not out of uh, the question of what they have been doing over these past couple of seasons in regards to, you know, rebuilding. Uh, with that being said, 
you know, I'll just go ahead and give my predictions on where he lands. At number five, we'll go ahead and go with uh, Miami, the Dolphins. They have already signed or traded for two established running backs in this league and Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. Uh, Jordan Howard had an up-and-down season with Philadelphia last season, but uh, is definitely a productive player still. And Matt Breida came off a Super Bowl appearance with the San Francisco 49ers. So those two definitely are already established. So adding Leonard Fournette to that mix may seem a little bit, you know, like uh, it's kind of overkill in regards to running backs. But if history has shown us anything, it's that you can never have enough running backs. You know, that running back by committee approach definitely works for teams. Hell, last season, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs won a Super Bowl using that approach. Uh, so you can never have enough. Uh, the Dolphins could definitely use him as a change of pace back. Uh, and Brian Flores, you know, coming from New England, they use that approach a lot. So I could definitely see him running with that. Uh, when you talk about terms of cap space, I believe the Dolphins have somewhere in the neighborhood of $24 million left still, so that is not an issue. Coming in at my number four spot would be my favorite team, the Philadelphia Eagles. I say this because while we, you know, Philadelphia fans hope that Miles Sanders can be the next great Philadelphia running back in the mold of, I don't know, LaShawn McCoy, or Brian Westbrook, we truly don't know what he's going to function like as a full season's workload as Philadelphia's workers, uh, workhorse running back. You could, you know, make a case that, uh, you know, Philadelphia's already set at that position. Uh, but I, it wouldn't be a stretch to see Leonard used as a, you know, a, another change of pace back for the team not to mention the fact that you don't know what miles sanders health is going to look like he's uh, currently dealing with a lower body injury it's said to be week to week he will be ready for week one uh, but uh, what are the chances that he'll actually be ready to carry a full workload at week one you have you know a, a stable of wide receivers that uh, figure to play a part and this offense is going to be pass heavy in regards to you know touches per game but it's definitely something that to keep an eye on philadelphia has about 18 million left in cap space so that definitely wouldn't be an issue coming in the next spot would be the uh, pittsburgh steelers who while they do have established starter in james connor and a, a rising player and jalen samuels uh could definitely use someone with the uh with Leonard Fournette's caliber at that position. James Conner had an excellent season in 2018. Uh, he appeared to be, you know, on the path to becoming a future star, if not a superstar. Uh, you know, but this past season without Big Ben, he, you know, he didn't have nearly the impact that we thought he would. The Steelers finished 29th in rushing. So, you know, while the Steelers do have a uh, championship caliber defense, they have uh, only a limited time, a limited window with Ben Roethlisberger 
to uh, to to make things happen. So they they really have no choice but to you know give it all they can, you know, go all in. And if anybody's you know listened to my past two episodes, you know how low I am on Big Ben right now. So make it happen if they're really serious about it. Coming in uh, at my two spot would be the uh, Los Angeles Rams, who just recently had let Todd Gurley walk out the door. So they're coming to this season with Cam Akers as the expected starter. Uh, you know, there's no problem with trying to turn the page, um, you know, with that situation and try to get somebody who may be a little bit more, you know, stable in terms of health. Uh, but you're relying on a rookie second round pick and uh, a third rounder in Daryl Henderson from the 2019 draft. So you could definitely see Leonard Fournette becoming the feature back in that situation. It's not unprecedented to think that you know a change of scenery could definitely elevate Fournette's game to a higher level. And in that offense uh, with <clears throat> Jared Goff at the helm and the creative play calling of Sean McVay, they could definitely you know, turn a lot of heads and uh, win a lot of game this season for sure. You know, the Rams could definitely use somebody of his caliber. And don't be surprised if you see that they're one of the, you know, one of the suitors that uh, that pick him up. So at number one, I would have to go with a team that, you know, just also got rid of their quote unquote number one running back. And that is the Los Angeles Chargers, who will come into the season with Austin Eckler as their number one guy, and uh, as well as Justin Jackson, who figures to split carries. So they're they're going with the running back by committee approach, and you know I already said how successful that turned out for the Kansas City Chiefs last season. So you could definitely see them, you know, making a run at Fournette. They have just over uh, thirteen million in cap space, so they could definitely afford them. That's definitely a destination. So, you know, we'll have to stay tuned to see how teams view him, you know, how much money he'll receive or he'll sign. But he'll find a home somewhere. He's too talented a back to remain a free agent. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and bring today's episode uh, to a close. As always, uh, thank you for listening. Don't be afraid to subscribe, share, you know, comment on whatever media platform uh, you're listening to this on. And have a good one, guys.